and welcome to In Touch with Tennessee, a podcast of the University of Tennessee Institute for Public Service. Late last year, Tennessee Governor Bill Lee announced that Ford Motor Company selected the Memphis Regional Megasite for one of the largest battery and vehicle manufacturing campuses in the U.S. Ford and SK Innovation will invest $5.6 billion to build a 3,600-acre megacampus called Blue Oval City, where production of next-generation all-electric F-Series trucks will begin in 2025. The project is expected to result in the creation of 27,000 new jobs to directly and indirectly support the site's operations. This will result in more than $1.02 billion in annual earnings. Additionally, more than 32,000 jobs are expected to support the construction period, with around $1.87 billion in salaries related to construction activity. This project is also expected to generate temporary construction benefits, including $5.6 billion spent on land, buildings, and other real property improvements. This project is anticipated to contribute $3.5 billion each year to Tennessee's gross state product. Excitement is building about economic impact potential as a result of this development. So what does this mean for Blue Oval City's surrounding communities? Today's guests are Chuck Downham and Ronnie Neal, Municipal Management Consultants with the Municipal Technical Advisory Service. Both of them have worked with area cities and towns to advise them on being prepared for this multi-billion dollar investment. Welcome, Chuck and Ronnie. Thank you. It's good to be here. Yes. So what are some of the unique challenges facing cities in West Tennessee, and how are they working to address those challenges? Well, as the management consultant for this area of West Tennessee, when this announcement came along, I knew that it was a game changer for many of the cities, especially the cities that are right next to the Blue Oval City. And I realized that we needed to uh, do some things to try to help those cities. So I knew that Chuck, a management consultant in Middle Tennessee with MTAS, had been involved at Spring Hill, where the Saturn plant originated and later became a GM plant. So I reached out to Chuck and asked him for his advice and what could he do to help our cities in West Tennessee. And Chuck's background being in planning, he was just the perfect person to come down here to assist me with working with the cities that are around that area. And so I asked Chuck to come down. He prepared a presentation, and I think he's made that presentation three or four times now to various groups of cities and county officials in West Tennessee. Thanks, Ronnie. You know, just to build on it, I'm in a very unique position being a management consultant here in Middle Tennessee. We are blessed with two different auto manufacturing facilities in the area that I work in. We have the General Motors facility in Spring Hill, and then we also have the Nissan manufacturing facility in Smyrna. Both of these are significant auto manufacturing operations. They employ thousands of individuals generating hundreds of millions of dollars, if not billions of dollars in revenues that help to bolster the state's economic position within the United States. Uh, But more critically, they've also served as significant catalysts for development. As Ronnie indicated, I used to work for the city of Spring Hill. I was the assistant city administrator there. And although the General Motors Saturn plant has been in place for well over 20 years in Spring Hill, 
my role during the four years I was there was basically dealing with a lot of the aftermath and the growth that continues to occur in and around that facility. General Motors manufacturing continues to invest billions of dollars in that location. And as a result, we're seeing exponential growth that's occurring in and around Spring Hill. And so we were dealing with a lot of infrastructure issues, public facility issues, and just the sheer impact of population growth that was happening around the community. So I think that lended a lot of kind of hands-on expertise that I felt would be very beneficial to communities in West Tennessee. They need to be prepared for the growth that's going to happen. As Ronnie indicated, the Blue Oval City project is going to be very transformative to all of West Tennessee. So it's important that communities prepare for that growth. Great. Thank you. Very informative. So how many cities have you all worked with in this region around Blue Oval City? I would say directly or indirectly, basically every city in West Tennessee. Chuck has made several presentations to different cities and included county officials. Through the West Tennessee mayors, we've had direct and indirect contact with many of the cities. So I would say we've pretty much worked with almost every city in West Tennessee in some way to discuss what's going to happen with Blue Oval City. What are some of the practices that you're sharing with them? Chuck, if you could speak to some of the advice that you all are giving them and and some of the challenges that you are alerting them to. Yeah, absolutely. As I drew on the experience, having worked in Spring Hill, I realized very quickly that here you've got a community that's being impacted by a very significant manufacturing facility. But also, as you look at communities up and down the Interstate 65 corridor just outside of Nashville, all of them are experiencing tremendous growth and development right now. Some of that's related, obviously, to the ongoing investments in the auto manufacturing industry, but more critically, you know, just the, the sheer development that's happening in and around the Nashville metro area. And so a lot of communities in Middle Tennessee continue to struggle with being prepared to handle the growth that's coming and how to best accommodate that. And so taking some of those experiences and applying them to what will be happening in the early days of the Blue Oval City project, I really focused on three different themes in the presentations. We did presentations at three different locations right there in Somerville, We did a presentation over in Atoka, and then we also did one up in McKenzie involving city and county officials, as well as economic development specialists and just people that are very interested in understanding, you know, the potential impact that a project like Louisville City is going to have. But the presentation focus really was on three primary areas. The first was on comprehensive planning and updating and making current plans within communities. A lot of communities have not undertaken any kind of comprehensive planning or land use planning of any sort. And so this was an opportunity to educate them on the importance of developing those plan instruments that will help guide the responsible growth and development of those communities in the future. We emphasize focusing on things like transportation plans, utility plans, public facility plans. Make sure that you also include a conversation with the education systems, many of which are, are great systems, but are they prepared to handle the growth and student population that's going to occur over the next 10, 15, 20 years? And making sure that you've got sufficient facilities for educating young people throughout these different areas. The second focus was on what I'll call the regulatory toolbox, and that dealt with things like subdivision regulations, zoning standards making sure that their building codes are all up to date in terms of adopting the latest additions, 
checking staff resources to make sure that they either have professional staff that's sufficient to administer those codes and standards or to engage engineering and architecture consultants and different consultants to help these communities deal with the day-to-day administration of standards. It's very important not only to have good up-to-date regulatory tools, but also to have the proper staffing and consultant support in place to administer those standards so that you're doing it consistently and also with quality in mind. And then the third focus of the presentation was on public facilities and public infrastructure. It's very important to understand that with the anticipated growth and development is going to come a significant burden on a lot of cities and counties to deal with the public facilities and infrastructure needs that are going to occur. Things like expanding water facilities, expanding sewer plant capacity, adding on to education facilities, building new fire stations, adding on to police headquarters and public parks and recreation facilities, all are going to be in very significant demand over the course of the development of the Blue Oval City project and the impact it's going to have on communities around them. It's important for cities to undertake things like developing a capital improvement plan, taking an asset inventory of all of the different municipal assets and county assets that they have, understanding what the useful life of those facilities are, and making sure at the end of the day that they are sufficiently budgeting and providing the necessary financial resources for those facilities to grow and expand over time. The last thing you want is to be caught up in tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of dollars in infrastructure improvements because you got behind on keeping pace with the growth and development. That's one of the significant things that happened with Spring Hill is that while they were managing the growth, a lot of the public infrastructure got out of reach for them. And they are now spending literally tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars in road improvement projects and utility infrastructure projects just to get back on pace with the development that they're currently experiencing. So it's important for communities to try to get out and stay out ahead of, of that growth and development. So Infrastructure planning, public facility planning being the third component was was a, a key piece of the presentation as well. We had a lot of interest in the presentations following each of the different areas that we visited, and we're real excited to have the opportunity to be able to assist cities ongoing with some of those efforts to make sure that they are putting the right tools and the right planning processes in place to guide and manage the growth that's going to happen with this project. Right, right. That's interesting. They say that production of the all-electric F-Series trucks is anticipated to begin in 2025, so that really doesn't leave cities a lot of time to plan ahead, I guess. How are you encouraging them to jump on this? I think just that very fact that we're encouraging cities, you know, don't sit back and wait for things to happen. Take a very proactive, progressive approach. Make sure that you've got good plans in place or that you're working on those plans Take the time to seek advice and counsel on getting your regulatory tools up to speed as quickly as you can. This is an opportunity to work smarter, not harder. So looking at processes, I think it's a very important component of that. And then taking stock of your existing infrastructure and public facilities. If you're going to grow 10, 15, 20% or as much as 100 to 200%, which is what happened in some of the communities in Middle Tennessee, are you prepared for that? Have you thought about how to best expand sewer plants and water plants and park facilities and schools and so on? So start those conversations now. Make sure that you've got good plans in place, that you've got good financial and fiscal strategies in place to deal with the financial burden that these communities are going to be experiencing with that growth. 
So there's no better time to start than now. So this is a question for both of you. What does a development of this size mean for West Tennessee? You know, like you talked about in the introduction, ECD has said that this will create 27,000 jobs over the next 10 years in West Tennessee. There will be about 8,000 people working on that site a day when they're fully up and in production. They are also preparing the site to expand the site. So this will create, without a doubt, the largest project that's ever occurred in West Tennessee and probably in Tennessee from what we're hearing right now. So to get ready for that and be prepared, we've had a situation West Tennessee has largely been agricultural over many years, and so we have not had the manufacturing jobs in West Tennessee that other parts of the states have had. We've had counties and cities in West Tennessee losing population over the last 20 years. I think that reverses a lot of that. So it's I mean, it's a brand new day here in West Tennessee, and hopefully we're up to the task. That's great. We love growth in this state. And Chuck, what would you say about this development and what it will do for West Tennessee? Well, I think it presents a a tremendous opportunity for communities. The communities that are prepared to accommodate the growth and development that's going to happen should be in a position to receive a lot of significant economic benefit as a result of this. Communities that haven't planned properly, that haven't taken the initiative to make sure that their public infrastructure and facilities are in good order, I think are going to struggle. A lot of the questions that we receive from communities are, you know, how much growth and development can we expect in in our community? That's really difficult to predict at this point. We know it's coming and it's likely going to come in a very significant wave, especially with the manufacturing facility having to be operational by 2025. We're going to see a lot of people coming into West Tennessee, and they're going to be distributed throughout a lot of the communities that are ready to receive growth. And so those communities that are not only being proactive about preparing for growth, but also being proactive about promoting their communities as receiving locations for the growth and development that's going to be happening is going to be very important. And that's where those communities, I think, can leverage the investment that's being made by Ford and and the other industries that will be locating in and around the Blue Oval City campus. They've got an opportunity to put themselves on the map for development that's going to be coming. And I think it's going to be important that communities leverage that interest in West Tennessee and do everything they can to show those folks that are coming that they are ready to support that growth and development, that they've got the school systems in place, they've got the infrastructure in place, they've got the quality of life that a lot of employees are looking for, and it's all with easy access to the Ford facility. So you're going to see a lot of development happening in close proximity to the facilities, not unlike what happened around Smyrna and Spring Hill. And as you get further and further away, you'll see a little bit less development occurring, but still those communities that are poised to receive that growth, I think will receive great economic benefits. So this is a great opportunity for West Tennesseans to to leverage the investment that's happening. So this is an opportunity to get out there and showcase your community and hopefully receive some of the benefit that's going to be happening with the development. Well, I want to thank you both for this very informative discussion. Always great to hear about the work that's going on within our agencies and, of course, within the Municipal Technical Advisory Service. So thank you both for being here. 
And thanks, listeners. Be sure to subscribe to the In Touch with Tennessee podcast or be sure to leave a review or rate us on Apple Podcasts.